for your Holy Spirit to blow on us as we share in this gospel message. Mm. So we just ask you to edify us in this Bible study. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 So today I want to, as we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, these are verses that are part of what we call the prologue. And John gives them as an, an introduction before going deeper into the person of Jesus in the 21 chapters of this book. We can't underestimate that these three verses because they are the foundation in which the rest of the chapters and verses hinge. In fact, they are the foundation of our belief and faith in the triune God. So, the book of John is my go-to book. Mm. We learn a lot about the person of Jesus and of course that of course that was what his purpose was. John here is not to be confused with him, John the Baptist. But John himself isn't mentioned in this book as the writer, but early church writings from Arenas and Polycarp, who was a direct disciple of John, agree that this was written by John, the younger brother of James, the son of Zebedee. And he was the youngest of the disciples, probably in his late teens, and at this time he walked with Jesus. So the same John also wrote the first, second and third epistles of John and also the book of Revelation. So these books were written probably as an old man in his last ten years of his life. So in Matthew we read about how James and John first met Jesus. They were on the shore cleaning their, their fishing nets after an un uneventful night of fishing and Jesus was walking along the shore and met Peter and Andrew and called them to follow him and as they walked on they met James and John and they were added to the number that were first called. So John through his experience of being with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry is now writing about around about AD 85, and as three generations of Christians have come and gone, many of them matter for their faith, he is now an old man, but he is leading, but, but at the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, he has an important message. He has an important message that he wants to share in response to false heresies that were coming into the church. So who is this Jesus? This book is quite different from to the other three Gospels. It doesn't contain details like Jesus' birth, the baptism, temptations of, in the wilderness, parables, the Last Supper, and, then, and the Ascension, and so on. But there are 37 different miracles 
recorded in these Gospels, and John's Gospel contains eight accounts of miracles, but six of them are unique to the book of John. So John wrote this letter approximately about 10, something like 20 years after, like the Gospel, uh, the Synoptic Gospels, the letters that had been written by Matthew, Mark and Luke. And so, in light of this, they had, writ had been probably written already, but John gives a, a different perspective. His letter has a different purpose. The first three Gospel accounts focus on what Jesus did, but John focuses on who Jesus is. And that is clear in this verse that he shares at the end of his letter in chapter 20, verse 31. But these were, he reads this, but these were written, that these are, are written that they might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And John uses the word believe nearly a hundred times in these 21 chapters. He didn't use the, the noun belief or the verb to, to believe. So this is having an active, but this is having an active living faith, but not merely an intellectual acknowledgement of Jesus. But, but it all begins with understanding that the first three verses of chapter one tell us about who Jesus is. So let's get into this word. There are lots of things we could look at in these three verses, but I want to focus on four key points tonight that will help us increase our knowledge of Jesus and strengthen our foundation on our faith in which our faith is found. So our first point I want to point our eternity, eternality of the word in verses one and two. And the personality of the word verses one B and two A. The deity of the word in verses one C and the activity of the word in verse three. So let's look at verses 1 to 3. I'll read this here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So these verses are perhaps one of the most compelling verses in the existence of the Trinity and for the deity, the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not created by God but was with God in the beginning. And John chapter 1 shows the Trinity as Jesus the Son of God and twice in verses 18 and verse 34 and God twice in verse 14 and 18 
and the Holy Spirit descending from heaven upon the Son in verses 32 to 33. So let's, look, let's begin by looking at the eternity, eternity of the Word in verses 182. The eternality of Christ is one of the distinguishing doctrines in biblical Christianity. As one it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the same was in the beginning with God. And this shows the pre-existence of God. In the beginning was the Word. So these first, these first six words hark back to the opening verses of Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And John is directing our attention to the Genesis of creation account to, to persuade his readers of a correct understanding of the eternality of Christ. He was with God in the beginning. He was the Logos, the Word. As John writes, he is appealing to his readers who would understand exactly what he was saying when he was referring to Christ as the Logos. And at that time, the Jewish rabbis, rabbis would often refer to God as the Word of God. For example, in the ancient Hebrew editions of the, of the Old Testament called the Targums, an example here in Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, kind of reads here, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And with the, the, with the Targum, it would say, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet the word of, the, of God. So meanwhile, the Greek philosophers would talk about the, the word as a power or force that put order and meaning into the world. What John is saying to both Greeks and to the Jews was that Jesus is that word. He is the eternal God, the creator who gives it gives the world, the world, order and meaning. And his audience would understand the language that he was using because it was common for men in these days. So God did not create God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. They coexisted, and before creation began, before creation began, they existed eternally before creation and they existed before time began. So John in John himself is the only New Testament writer that uses the word 
the word or logos. In the text of Jesus, when he is referencing through his writings of John 1 verse 1 and John 1 verse 14, 1 John verse chapter 1 verse 1, 1 John chapter 5 verse 7 and Revelation 19 verse 13. Only in John's writings, this is where you will find the capital W used for the, for the word meaning Jesus. So the use of the word was in verse 1 is not intended to mean something that has a kind of past or is no more. This goes kind of deeper to that's as something that has passed and no more. It goes deeper than a past tense, but it brings out the idea of something that is continuing, a continuing existence, or it can, or continually, the word. So if you read in verse one, if you then if you could read like this. In the beginning, continually was the Word, and the Word was continually with God, and the Word continually, continually is God. So, John is clearly trying to, is telling us here in verse 1, that the Word was, is, and always will be eternal. The word Jesus kind of predates time and creation and there was no beginning. If you cast your eyes into verse 14, you see the, the start of the story of kind of Jesus in Bethlehem. And it reads here, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ as a physical man had a beginning, but as the Son of God, he had no beginning. And this is remarkable because the Word became flesh. And here John is testifies as a witness to God coming down in the flesh as Jesus. He came down and dwelt among us, taking on the appearance and likeness of man. So second point is um, the personality of the word. And the word was with God and the same was in the beginning was God. The word was with God. The word was in company, was in the company of God. And these are kind of profound words to me. The word was with God. When God took upon himself the sinless humanity, he for a time gave up his heavenly glory to become a servant. He didn't change who he was in essence, but it, but it changed the aspects of the relationship 
with the Father in heaven. So what does the Bible tell us about the personality of the Word? The personality of Jesus. We'll touch on three things that I'm sure you can think of many more. But he had he had to learn obedience to the Father. And we can read that in, in Hebrews 5 verse 8. <clears throat> he prayed to his heavenly Father and asked for power. In John chapter 11 verse 40, 41 onward and for wisdom in Mark chapter 1 verse 35. So in his hum humanity he was dependent on the Father to carry out the Father's plan of redemption. So twice in our opening verses we read that the Word was with God and that word, um, this repeated word with in the Greek is pros. It means kind of something that is moving towards something in, in the direction of being face to face with someone, someone that you would commune with face to face. So throughout the New Testament, you read of Jesus going to spend time alone with his Father in prayer. And he prayed publicly, but he also needed to be alone with his Father. He prayed to set up a, to be an example to his followers of the importance of prayer. And it was more, but it was more than that to him. He prayed because even in his sinless humanity, he had a deep need for communion with his Father. Mm. We won't read um, chapter 17, but it's such an, an important book um, of John. But this chapter has a moving, sort of a, a moving account of Jesus' prayer to the Father for himself and for his disciples and for all believers. It is the longest recorded prayer in the, of Jesus in the Bible and it gives us a deeper insight into the personality of Jesus and his heart for his disciples and those believers who could come to faith following their testimony of Christ. So he asked the Father to sanctify them. He kept keep them from to keep them from evil and for unity to abound amongst believers. He loved and his love and compassion overflows from his prayer. And he was in every way God, but he was in every way human. Our third point is that the deity of the word, verse 
the name of our God in normal Hebrew scripture says Elohim, which is a, a, a plural noun for, but it's normally a singular verb. But plural means three or more, and Elohim, the plural, is mentioned 500 times or more in the book of Moses. In the books of Moses, and these are the first five books of the Bible. So in one C of this verse, and the word was God. And the word was God, literally, God himself was the word. And this points to the Trinity. We know from scripture that God is the triune God. And Jesus Christ is the, the Son of God, he is the Word of God, and he is God. And any teaching that teaches anything less than God is pure heresy. Wisdom Church statement of faith describes this perfectly. There is one God, the Father, the Word, Jesus as the Word, and the Holy Spirit, co-eternal in being, co-identical in nature, co-equal in power and glory, and having the same attributes and perfections. This is such an important fundamental truth of the Christian faith. It is essential for our salvation. In Judaism, you'll see the word, I am in unquestionably understood to be Elohim, God Almighty. In Exodus 3 verse 14, God reveals himself to Moses saying, I am who I am. So when Jesus makes his I am statements as recorded in the book of John, he clearly is demonstrating that he is God. And this would have been considered blasphemy to the Jews of that day who refused to acknowledge him as the Messiah. So Jesus was not silenced by their denial because he stated, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the way, the truth and the light. And I am the true wine, the vine. And he makes two further I am statements in the book of John. But on these occasions, they were not metaphors, but they were declarations. And Jesus himself responds to the complaints of the Pharisees by saying, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am in John 8 verse 58 and this dark kind of contrast of the verbs was and I am were lost in the Pharisees there was no doubt that the Jews understood, understood that Jesus was com, com, claiming to be God because in verse 59 they took up stones to kill him 
for what they believed was blasphemy. So later in John chapter 18 verses 4 and 5 in the Garden of Gethsemane when the mob arrives to arrest him he asks who they seek to who they seek to they seek and when they say Jesus of Nazareth and they respond and he responds with the that I am, I am he. And he is applying God's covenant name to himself. He has shown that his surrender to them is completely voluntary. So God in the Old Testament was the I am. And Jesus in the New Testament was the I am. Amen. So there is no doubt to there is no doubt to his um, divinity. He doesn't leave that possibility open to us. So maybe you guys, when you're doing your evangelism on the street, you probably know these people like the Jehovah Witnesses. They believe that God is one person with Jesus, our created being. And using the, the Holy Spirit as a force and modalism that kind of teaches that he is one person who took on three um, consecutive forms God, then man in the form of Jesus and then became the Holy Spirit after the resurrection and we also hear of the Mormon Mormons and Mormonism they hold the belief that each office of the Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit are separate individual gods. And also the Muslims, they believe that Jesus was a prophet, but that and that um, Muhammad was a supreme prophet and Jesus was inferior. So these are all false and they need to be and we need to be kind of increasingly careful of the language of many cults and how many of the language of many cults use as it can sound Christian and they but they use kind of doctrines and heresies that have no salvation in them. And we need to hold fast to the doctrine of monotheism as it is taught here in the opening of John chapter 1, the Trinity is one God in three separate and distinct eternal persons. They are co-eternal, co-equal and co-powerful. So lastly we look at our last point, the activity of the word in verse 3. In John, it says here, all things are made by him and without him and not anything made that was made. Notice again the repetition of the word <coughs> made. 
Christ as the creator of all and is the creator of all and it is by the Son that the Father made all things. And notice the word Jesus created all things. Mm. Therefore, he himself is an uncreated being. Mm. He existed before creation began and without him nothing could have been created. Mm. I'd like to consider some verses um, which show the activity of Christ before he came in the human form to seek and to serve and to save. In, one, in John chapter 1 verse 10 it tells us, He was in the world, world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and 17, For by him we were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, mm. and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And lastly, in Psalm 33, verse 6, and by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. It is by the Son that the Father made all things. Just like today there are so many heresies in the church when John wrote this gospel. The longer he lived, the more imperative it was for him to become, for, for it to become, for him to write this book showing that Christ not being created, but he was the creator. And of, he was the creator of all and by him that the Father made all things. So John wrote about these heretics in his writings we get a glimpse of this in 1 John chapter 4 verse, verses 1 and 2. It reads, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because the many false prophets are gone out of the world, and hereby know that ye that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come, in the flesh is of God. So in 2 John 1 verse 7 it also mentions, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming into the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So Gnosticism and is it Doicism, um, cults around in the time of John and he wanted 
to challenge these false teachings. Many of these are around today in society today, and sadly many are found in professing churches, especially those who have become increasingly progressive and have moved towards kind of a, a universal and kind of um, idea in the belief that Christ, that it's the belief that Christ died for every single person who ever lived and that all paths will ultimately lead to one end. So John wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and his gospel spells it clearly who Jesus was and is. So to sum up these three verses, I want to reflect on the key points. Jesus was and is eternal without beginning or end. Jesus was and is God, but with his distinct personality. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was fully God. He was fully, fully human, but remains fully divine. And Jesus was creator of all things, so he himself could not have been created. So we come back to John's purpose in writing this book in verse, in chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Amen. So Christ has declared God to us. There is none better to declare the Father to us than the Son. He was and is and always will be one with the Father.